Here's the podcast, Making Wellbeing Work. We look at workplace wellbeing from both angles, that of the organization and that of the individual. We know that mentally healthy organizations believe in inner work and mentally healthy people know that they need to engage to evolve. Inner work is about organizations truly checking in on their people and adapting their company culture as is needed. Engage to Evolve is about individuals realizing that they're in the driver's seat of their own lives and with that able to decide on how they approach work, their employer and their well-being. It's the workplace's point of connection between the organization and the individual that we'll talk about here and how both parties have a role to play in workplace well-being. So welcome to Making Wellbeing Work. Welcome to Making Wellbeing Work. I'm your host Susanna Schoberg with my co-host Natalie Wood. In today's episode, we'll be discussing stress. All of us have our experiences with stress and our opinions on how to deal with it. And still, stress is everywhere. In our conversation today, we want to dig into what stress actually is, especially from a brain and body perspective. We'll be sharing helpful ways to manage stress and intend to put you on a path of building more resilience. Welcome, Natalie. Hello. Hey, Susanna. Nice to be here again. Nice to be here with you. So, hey, it might be good to start with the definition. What actually is stress? Can you define yes. it for our listeners, please? I'm glad you asked that because um, we often don't do that, do we? We speak about stress and think we all know what we mean. And I think it's, it's good to get back to the basics of understanding what it actually is. And there are definitions of it. And I'd just like to offer two here, which I think are very helpful. So the first definition I'd like to share is that stress is when pressure exceeds your perceived ability to cope. And what I like about this definition is that it already shows how individual the experience of stress is, because it speaks about the perceived ability to cope. Different people cope with different things, and we all cope differently. And that means that our stress experience is not necessarily comparable. So that's really the first definition I like to give to emphasize how individual the experience of stress is, as are our coping mechanisms. The second definition is a definition that is maybe more technical. It includes three elements. So it explains that stress is present and we trigger a stress response in our brains and bodies when there are three elements that are present, which are, first of all, a feeling of heightened tension, heightened arousal, so some kind of excitement. That's one element that's not enough to trigger stress because we can be excited about a lot of things that are very pleasant as well. The second element is that there's an expectation of something unpleasant coming our way. So there's a feeling of heightened tension, an expectation of something unpleasant coming our way. And the third element is that we have little or no control over what is happening. If we right. are in a situation where we feel heightened tension, we expect that something unpleasant is going to happen and we have a lack of control over that, we are sure to trigger a stress response. Sounds that's normal. That. Sounds like... A... Yes, that's, there's good reason there to trigger a stress response. And uh, I think that's really a good way of becoming very clear on what stress means to us and what stress brings about in us as well. So stress is such a tricky word because it has so many connotations. Is it bad really for us? Also, that is a very good question. And the second definition I gave, surely, maybe also the first definition I gave, 
already makes it very clear that stress is not something that we want to experience a lot of. Nonetheless, there's been a lot of talk about good stress in the media, but also in many conversations. Is there good stress? Is there bad stress? And what I think is that this is probably not the best categorization, good and bad, because I like to say that there is no such thing as stress out there. There is no such thing as stress in the environment. What there is, is a stress response that happens inside our brains and bodies. So stress is something that we experience, and we already spoke about the individual nature of the stress experience, and we trigger that the stress response under certain circumstances. And we have done so throughout evolution. So if you like, stress or the stress response is actually one of the elements that has kept us alive throughout evolution. Because if we didn't trigger stress response, if we didn't have this mechanism, we would not have been able to run away from predators to survive difficult situations. So the stress response has been one of the things that has kept us alive. So with that, stress or triggering a stress response is normal, it's natural, it's part of the human experience. So there is no way that we can avoid stress. And it's also not something I would recommend, because if you try to not become stressed in your life at all, apart from the fact that that would probably stress you because it's very difficult to do, it will probably also not help you evolve, move forward. Experiencing stress is simply a normal thing. Having said that, triggering the stress response too often for too long has a very negative impact on our health and well-being, that's for sure. So it sounds like what you're saying, if I heard it correctly, is that it's something that's natural, but it was not meant to be long-term in our system, just as a peak and then level yes. down. Yes, we go back to thinking about what our brains have evolved for. And I have said on a previous episode that the modern world has developed so quickly compared to how evolution happens that our brains have not actually kept up. So our brains have evolved for a world that is very similar to ancestors that lived 100,000 years ago, 70,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, if you like. And in that environment, it was incredibly important to have a very quick stress response because that was fighting for our survival. And that is what our brains were made for. Our brains have evolved to keep us safe and help us survive. And that has not changed, but the risks and dangers that we run in our world today are very different. So we still use a certain way of behaving that has actually evolved for a very different world. Well, can you tell us a bit about what happens in the brain and body when we feel stressed? Let's start with the brain. So in the brain, tucked away deep down, there is a brain region that we share with other mammals as well. This brain region is called the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is involved in various things such as moving around in space, learning, encoding memory, which actually is learning. But apart from that, the hippocampus also regulates stress response. So the hippocampus will trigger the release or will regulate the release of the so-called stress hormone in the body, which is cortisol. Now, I like to emphasize that cortisol does many more things than 
just triggering the stress response. It has a bad rep, but it's it has it a has, Yes, it is needed. So it is the hormone that allows us to wake up in the morning. Our cortisol levels usually rise in the morning. They're very high, and then they should drop gradually throughout the day. However, they also rise in case of a stress response. And this is what the, the hippocampus regulates by a, a certain process. It regulates the release of this so-called stress hormone. And that is good because it allows us to react quickly. It does certain things in our entire body, which we can talk about in a moment. But the important thing to know is that if there is too much of this cortisol in our blood for too long, so we have a stress response going on too often for too long, cortisol goes killing neurons because cortisol itself is toxic. Now, in general, in our normal daily cycle, that is not a problem because it will be mopped up by usual brain processes. But if there's too much for too long, there's not the ability of the brain and the body to mop it up anymore. And there you have a catch-22 because as I said, cortisol can kill neurons, but at the same time, it does so in the brain region, which we know regulates the stress response. So just imagine the hippocampus that is regulating the stress response is affected by cortisol, so it can less uh, well regulate the stress response. So you really have a downward spiral mm -hmm. if you have too much in your bloodstream for too long. That's bad if, I, if I think about the average person who's very stressed, so then you have that ongoing destruction of, of, of neurons cells. of nerve cells yes and in a brain region that luckily also makes new neurons so the hippocampus is an area or there's a part of the hippocampus we know that until the day we die we make new neurons so well, that's reassuring yeah that's why i'm saying it now it's not that all's lost if you've had a very stressful uh, month behind you no no there's uh, immense plasticity in the brain immense ability for brain and body to recover it is, however, something to watch out for because we know mm. what too much stress does in the body. We all are aware Prolonged of cardiovascular, stress, yeah. and, yes, exactly. cardiovascular problems mm. and, that are related to mm. stress. So, mm. um, yeah, too much. Too that's long. an interesting. That's a really interesting point because because we often, you know, when we throw out the word stress, many people know what they should be doing. Oh, I'm so stressed and stress, stress, stress. It's a coffee table conversation and it's a cocktail party conversation. And you can hear about stress anywhere. And yet, if we understand what it actually is doing to our brain, you can take it much, much more seriously, this whole thing about how can you take care of yourself? Hopefully. And I really want to emphasize what you're saying there, because what we tend to do when we feel stressed is precisely drop the things that are good for our brains. So we stop exercising, which increases neurogenesis, which increases the making of new neurons in the hippocampus. We stop exercising because we don't have time. We cut down on our sleep, which actually is regenerating for the brain, which helps the brain become or be more resilient. We cut down on good food because we don't have time to go to the shop to prepare all of this cooking. So we have a tendency of as we get stressed to actually do the things that are counterproductive to building our resilience or to managing the stress response well is this in our brain or is it in our body or where does that come from yeah that is a very good question i i will argue that this comes from the fact that the stress response is meant to be short-lived and maybe we should move here to what happens in the body because that's exactly what the entire yes, stress please. response yes. does so our brain will trigger 
that there is a stress response, it will increase cortisol. And this activates the uh, sympathetic part of the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system has two parts, one called the sympathetic part, the other called the parasympathetic part. And as we trigger the stress response, it is the sympathetic part that is more active. And this makes sure that we increase our heart rate, we increase our breathing, all the blood flows to our muscles. Non-vital functions are shut off, such as digestion, for example. Why does our body do this? Well, our body is getting ready to run or to fight. So our body is getting ready for whatever is necessary for immediate survival. And this comes again from the times that our brains and bodies have evolved for, which is a life that is uh, out there where we might have to fight for our survival. Now, our brains do that also when we're sitting in a conference room and we get very stressed about the conversations that are happening. <laughs> Again, we, we pump all the blood into our muscles, our heart rate increases, our breathing gets faster because our brain doesn't have a special stress response for being stuck in traffic or late for a meeting or in a difficult conversation with our boss. We do mm. the same thing. And interestingly, what our brain does in the very first moments of triggering this stress response is give us a clarity of thought, an ability of quick decision making that is unmatched any other time during the day, because we need to make the right decision to get out of that difficult situation, that life-threatening situation. And if we get out, we want to be able to remember that. So in the first seconds of triggering a stress response, if it doesn't happen too often for too long, we have incredible brain power. Now, that does not last for half an hour. That lasts for, I don't know, a very short period of time. But if we can use that and from there get out of the stress response and get into executing on the thoughts that we've had, the clarity of mind, we can, we can maybe use the stress response and even move into a state of flow. Who knows? But the whole point is that the stress response triggers immediate action. And that's why we probably don't think about what we're going to eat now, because actually our digestion has shut down. Anyway, we don't think about the good exercise because we're going to be running or fighting in any case. We don't think about sleep at that point in time, because, you know, that's not what it's about. Stress is about yeah, surviving, getting out there. So that's my guess for why we do all the wrong things when we get stressed. Okay, so now we know that stress is not good for the brain, not for the body. And not if it's too our... long and too often, as I say. Exactly. If it's shortly, it's, the stress response is an incredibly um, helpful response for us human beings, for us mammals, actually. Yeah. So thank you for, for making it so clear for our listeners. What about resilience? You know, before we talk more about that, it might be helpful to give our listeners a definition. So what is actually resilience? Yeah, just like stress, you're right. We speak about resilience in the same way as we speak about stress and assume that we all are speaking about the same thing. So the de definition of resilience that I like to use and emphasize is that resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity. So resilience is not the ability to push through adversity although that then comes, if you are resilient, you can probably manage adversity much better. But what is going to build your resilience and what makes you resilient and what resilience actually is, is the ability to come back from those difficult moments, so to bounce back from adversity. And that puts a whole different spin on 
how you become resilient, namely not by doing more and more difficult things all the time, one on top of the other, but actually by understanding after a difficult moment, I have to recharge. And then I can do the next difficult thing and I can recharge and I can navigate the next difficult situation. That is such an important point. The resilience is misunderstood in many ways. Yes, it's being pushed as the pill, uh, the antidote to stress. Yes. And it's up to you to be more resilient, which is partially true. You know, resilience is an individual thing, but it's not a cure it all. What can we actually do to become more resilient, truly resilient in our daily lives? Exactly. Finding the ways in which we can bounce back. And I would just like to add to what you said there. Of course, we see the resilient leaders and the resilient, uh, admirable people in moments when they are navigating adversity. We do not see them when they are actually preparing to navigate such adversity, right? We celebrate the difficult moments they have managed. We don't realize that they could manage those because they knew how and when to recharge. And getting to the things that we can do to build more resilience, um, there are a few things I would say that we can do in the moment if we practice, and then there are things that we can do longer term. Thinking of the things to do in the moment, it, it is really about understanding, A, what stress is, as just explained, but also realizing when we get stressed, and this is much harder to do than we might think, because the stress response is incredibly good and incredibly efficient, so it happens subconsciously. So by the time we notice that we have triggered a stress response, it may already have passed at the beginning. Nonetheless, this is a very good moment to start to realize, oh, I was really stressed in that meeting or as I was waiting in traffic. I realize that after the fact, I note that and I do some things to simply reduce my heart rate and my breathing, which might be breathing exercises, for example. Um, you know, what's also interesting when you talk about stress responses, it's, it is individual. For somebody... Yeah. Being in traffic, morning traffic is not a stress, stressful yes. situation. For somebody else, it's an absolute horror. Absolutely. We're back to coping mechanisms that are so different. Yeah. And stress triggers that are so different. So the first thing I would really say is to gain an awareness of what it is that triggers you individually. Now, we will all get triggered if there is a, a bear running after us or if we are in a life-threatening situation, all of us will get triggered and that's for good reason. But then there are exactly these individual things, as you say, that trigger you, not me, my neighbor, my colleague. So just becoming very aware of what it is that triggers me individually and then trying to notice that in the moment. And this is what is so hard. But with time, as I say at the beginning, we will notice that we've been triggered only after the whole stress episode has happened. But if we make a point to ourselves that we want to notice that in the moment, we will notice it sooner and sooner. It is like training a muscle. We will become better and better at noticing it. And eventually we can start noticing it as the stress is rising within us. And that gives us the possibility to do things to calm us down, which are signaling to the brain that there is no physical threat to our lives, for example. How do we do that? Well, if we're in a situation that is safe, stuck in a meeting, but even standing in traffic, looking around, signaling to the brain that there is nothing that is threatening our lives, um, listening to the sound, so activating the different senses that signal to the brain, there is no lion roaring behind me. 
very clearly uh, breathing slowly and noticing that I can breathe slowly. I don't need to run. So really signaling back to the brain that physically there is safety is a first way to cut the stress response in the moment. Once one has the ability to actually register the stress response in the moment. And then there are the longer term things to do, which all have to do with brain well-being, I like to call it. So that is exercise, sleeping enough, going outside whenever one can to enjoy a little bit of nature consciously, which we know has an immediate regulation on our cortisol Very levels. Very powerful impact on us, yes. Yeah, and measurable in our blood. Cortisol levels go down when we hear birdsong, when we see trees. So doing things that we know are going to help us recharge as human beings, so as the species that we are, but then we also have very individual things. Some people might enjoy going for a swim, or some people might enjoy meditation, some people might enjoy doing puzzles, some people might enjoy playing a board game, or going playing tennis, different things, or collecting photographs. It can be so many things, but just understanding what is it that really regulates my nervous system, brings me down, makes me relax. And if I've got those two sides, I know when I get triggered and I know what relaxes me, well, then I can start building habits around that, can't I? To make sure that I know the elements that I need to be able to bounce back from those situations. Indeed. And I think that it's an ongoing struggle to some extent because stress is part of our lives and we have to be consciously managing it. So it's not a one-time thing. No, as we have spoken about already previously, we cannot get out of the human experience. What we can get is more awareness of our experience. And the awareness gives us power. The awareness does not allow us to step out and forget about all the difficulty that we might need to navigate in the world. But the awareness allows us to consciously contribute to it. This is where control comes in. Remember the third element of the definition of stress? There might still be unpleasant things that happen to us. This was the second element of the definition of stress. But we can start deciding how we deal with it. So we can start maybe Is not... it really a decision? Let's imagine that I'm super mm-hmm. stressed. I could just imagine that it's really hard then to just decide, oh, I'm not going to be stressed. I don't think we can decide not to be stressed. But I think we can decide how we navigate the stress. So I think we can't, I mean, there might be cases where we can influence our stress triggers, but that's a whole different area. If we say we always get stressed in a certain area and we never want to get stressed there again, maybe we can manage that. But I think what Mm -hmm. we can manage before then is saying, I know I'm getting stressed here. Now, how am I going to deal with that? Instead of blowing up and just letting this stress totally overcome me, Can I possibly step out? Can I possibly start considering how I feel? Can I possibly take certain measures, little steps of managing this stressful situation differently? So learning, we like to call that learning how to respond instead of just automatically reacting because our brain has a reaction for every stress response. I mean, we'll always react. Sometimes like me blowing up, Mm. but I can start learning to decide not to just react And it might not always work, by the way. Sometimes I might react because the automatic connections in the brain are much quicker. But I can teach myself, I can learn, I can practice to respond and then decide how can I control the situation or what can I control? The things I cannot control, 
can I let go of those and focus on those things that I control? And yes, the things I can't control are going to remain unpleasant. Maybe even the ones I can control, but at least I'm getting this feeling of agency, which is something very important to human well-being, to managing stress. Exactly. Knowing mm -hmm. that you can do something about it. That's your and actions I think that also, influence outcomes. And secondly, I would welcome that our society stops worshipping the stress heroes. Yes. Completely. Because there's this narrative where stress is like like a badge of honor. I agree. Unfortunately, like you said at the beginning, you know, it's have, it has an impact on your brain. It's actually killing your neurons. neurons. And it has an impact on your body and most likely on, on things around you. Yes. Well, thank you, Natalie. It has been a pleasure as always chatting with you. Same here. And thank you for listening to Making Wellbeing Work. We hope that this episode has helped you in understanding what stress actually is, how it is triggered in your brain and body, and how you can lead yourself in moments of stress and beyond. We'd like to re-emphasize the individuality in what triggers the stress response and ask you, especially if you're a leader, to consider that others around you may experience stress at different times and in different circumstances than yourself. As so often, awareness of your own triggers is key as is supporting everyone in finding a feeling of agency in their daily experience. And lastly, we invite you to practice that brain care that builds long-term resilience and hence increases cognitive performance. You can find references for further resources in the show notes. And as always, we welcome your questions and feedback. Thank you for listening to Making Wellbeing Work. If you find our podcast insightful, please share or leave us a review on any of the usual podcast platforms. If you'd like to learn more, have any questions or comments, please reach out to us via our LinkedIn pages or our respective websites. All links are in the show notes. And we hope to have you on again next time.